the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey guys, it's Morgan. Welcome back to the show. Happy Monday. We've got a good episode today, and that's because it's about one of my favorite topics, education. I wanted to dedicate this show specifically to education and teachers unions and the mess that is going on there with the mix of education, the educating of our kids, and the nasty politics of our time because President Biden just did a speech at one of the biggest teachers unions of our country. It's the National Education Association. And everybody's kind of talking about it right now because, you know, if you're going to speak to a teachers union, one of the biggest ones in the nation, you should probably talk about education. But instead, it was a hyper-politicized conversation and speech with the crowd all about other political issues. And so it really just hit the nail on the head as an example, a visual example of how ridiculous the involvement of teachers unions and again, things to educate our innocent children have really become when it comes to playing the dirty game of American politics. So I wanted to kind of break it down for you and share some information that I found in my research along the way over the last few years. So with that being said, let's get on into it. All right, before we get into the topic, I want you guys to know, if you really want to know what the left's real plan is for your kids, just look at the reaction to the work Patriot Mobile did in multiple school districts in Texas. The left is losing their minds, all right? Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative mobile phone provider and a force for conservative values. This is because they take a portion of your bill and fund conservative causes and candidates who believe in the sanctity of life, freedom of speech, and the Second Amendment, and they're winning. Patriot Mobile has affordable plans for you, your family, even your business. They offer the same nationwide coverage as the major carriers because they use multiple major networks. Plus, you're supporting conservative values with every call, so it really helps. Go to patriotmobile.com slash Morgan or call 972-PATRIOT. Get free activation with offer code MORGAN. Special discounts are also available for veterans and first responders. So join the movement, make the switch today, and a difference tomorrow. PatriotMobile.com slash Morgan. That is PatriotMobile.com slash Morgan. So the first thing in this conversation of teachers unions in American politics that I want to talk about is a good article from Fox News. The headline is NEA Teachers Union, where Biden spoke has showered Democrats with political contributions over the years. Democrats received more than 98% of National Education Association contributions. This is by Brandon Gillespie, and again, it's at Fox News. Now, I'm starting with this one to really show you guys how stark the contrast is in terms of support for Republicans by the teachers' union and support for Democrats by the teachers' union. Now, I'll be honest, I vote Republican. I have problems with the Republican Party. I don't really identify as a Republican when people ask about my politics anymore. I just tend to vote for the Republican candidate because I know that they most align with my views. Um, I'm a Christian. I'm a conservative. I am an 
a constitutional, I should say, a constitutional conservative, because I believe in getting back to the small but strong form of a federal government that our founders intended for us, and really an emphasis on state power and local power. That's really where our decisions that affect us most should be being made. But right now, our federal government is just completely out of control. Now, as a constitutional conservative, that means that I'm not a fan of federal level education policy. I've talked about this for other topics, but you guys should know this if you listen to my show. By now, the 10th Amendment of the Bill of Rights designates anything that's not specifically assigned to the federal government and the Constitution to the states. So anything that's not listed directly in the Constitution is a state power. Guess what's not listed in the Constitution? Education. So for a very long time, education has been handled by the states, but it was only in um, the mid to late 1900s that our federal government really started to take and put their hands all over state-level education. So what we saw with the creation of the Department of Education in the 20th century and the massive influx of federal tax dollars into states, it was said that it was needed, and it's still taught in schools today, that we need the Department of Education because some areas of the country don't have as much money, don't have as much tax resources to properly fund public schools, that this is all an issue of, ah, they just don't have enough money. But what I'll show you in a little bit when we compare the funds of different states like Florida to New York, you'll see that it doesn't matter how much money these blue, especially states, get from the federal government or from their own states. If you have a poor process that is focused on pleasing the teachers' unions, pleasing the pension funds of all of the administrators, all of the people that aren't even teaching, educating children that for some reason have these weird, wacky jobs, and none of it is really being invested in improving the education of the children, as in you know the core purpose of a public education system, you'll see if the system itself is broken, it doesn't matter at all what kind of money you throw at it. It's never going to work. The children will never improve in scores, and they will always struggle. And for some reason, the teachers' unions every year work together to make sure that they get more and more and more funding. And so this is a situation where we're not seeing direct correlation between increase in school funds and increase in improved education of our children. It's very, very important to understand that very basic concept. And again, I'll show you the New York versus Florida example in a little bit. But understanding why our teachers unions are so powerful is a really important thing. I'm going to read you the rest of this article. It says America's largest labor union, where President Biden spoke Friday, has donated almost exclusively to Democrats, including the president, showering the party with a lopsided portion of its total political contributions, according to campaign finance data. According to Open Secrets, the National Educators Association, the NEA, which represents public school teachers and staff and advocates for the education of America's children, LOL, has given more than 98% of its total political contributions for the current 2022 midterm election cycle to Democratic congressional candidates, compared to less than 2% of Republicans. The amounts given during the 2020 elections reflected a similar advantage towards the Democratic congressional candidates, with nearly 95% of all of the NEA's contributions going to the party. 
and just 2.5% to Republicans. Each of the amounts was made up of contributions from individuals associated with the NEA, as well as its Associated Political Action Committee, which is called a PAC, a P-A-C. So far this cycle, Biden has received nearly $10,700 from the NEA, which includes contributions from individuals, the organization itself, and its related PAC. In 2020, he received $200,500. In both cycles, a majority of the total amounts came from individuals associated with the NEA, rather than its associated PAC. Other Democratic candidates in hotly contested races this year also benefited from the NEA's deep pockets, and it gave a list of all of the different Senate and congressional candidates that are receiving a lot of money from the teachers' union's members. The NEA has faced criticism over its approach to education. (laughs) What a statement. Including for allegedly promoting explicit sexual content to teens, as well as for passing a resolution earlier this year that would allocate thousands of dollars to conduct opposition research on organizations that were supposedly attacking gender identity and sexual orientation freedoms in public schools. The organization has also supported the teaching of critical race theory in schools. Biden's speech at the NEA was sponsored by the Democratic National Committee. So now with that little background, right, like, of course, the president of the United States is happy to come right before the midterm elections to speak to the teachers union, but not about issues revolving around educating children, but instead about general American political issues. There's a few reasons for that. One is they're all a bunch of Democrats, and so they need to rally the base. They understand. I mean, think of how many teachers in America exist. And the fact that you're pretty much forced into the teachers union itself when you become and get this job, when you become a teacher, you have a huge group of people that you need to keep happy. So that's one major aspect of it. Now, the next step of this is looking at the speech itself. So he spoke at the NEA's event. And first of all, I want to remind you guys, this is coming on the heels of a very controversial story that just recently broke thanks to Christopher Rufo. So I want to give you a little uh, understanding that on September 21st, this happened, and then the speech happened right after. This is from Christopher Rufo, um, a really great guy if you guys are interested. Um, his bio says writer, filmmaker, activist from Manhattan Institute and City Journal. He has a newsletter as well that's really interesting if you guys want to check it out. But on September 21st, he said exclusive, the National Teachers Union's LGBTQ plus caucus has created a website and a badge for public school employees that promotes a how-to guide for inappropriate actions in the bedroom. Let's just say that. I don't don't feel like saying them out loud. (laughs) You guys can look at the tweet if you want to. So the next tweet says, according to local news reporting, the National Education Association and its local affiliate in Hilliard, Ohio, have been providing staff in the Hilliard City School District with QR code-enabled badges, which point to an NEA LGBTQ caucus website. So the whole point is that if you are a member of that community, you can then scan the QR code on the teacher's badge, and it will bring you to a website. And it says, I'm here in partnership with the NEA and other groups that are a little more woke. On the website that it pulls up to, it says NEA Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, Transgender, Queer Plus Caucus, Sex Education Resources. This is LGBTQ Inclusive Sexual Health, 
education, allies, sex, etc., Center for Young Women's Health, Young Men's Health Site, A Call to Action, Inclusive Sex Education, Queering Sex Education, Teen Health Source, Inclusive Sex Education, What Works in Youth, HIV, and there's more. So you can scan it and it brings you to that site. But then it says, one of the resources is Teen Health Source's guide to, quote, queering sexual education, which promises to, quote, empower youth and features a manual on, quote, sex acts that don't get enough play. So again, just to bring it back to the whole process of why we're weirded out by this, this is NEA endorsed. It's an NEA badge that a teacher or professional wears in a school with children on the QR code that they are encouraged to then hold their phone up to and check the site out. The site teaches whoever scans it about different sex acts that don't get enough play. And it's just, it's stuff that Morgan's not in the mood to talk about on a Sunday. How about that? Okay, you guys, listen, I tried to record this where I actually read aloud what's on the QR code site, but I I physically cannot do it. I can't do it. I know that there's a lot of young people that listen to this. I won't do it. If you want to check it out, it's Christopher Rufo. Real Chris Rufo is his at on Twitter, and you can check it out. But it's wildly inappropriate is all I'm going to say. Like, I can't even say the things out loud. So next it says, The NEA is the largest teachers union in the country, representing more than 3 million public school teachers in all 14,000 local school districts. And they're actively promoting resources for, quote, (laughs) no, here it goes again, putting a fist or whole hand into a person's fill in the blank or fill in the blank, end quote. That's one of the little sections. (laughs) Disgraceful is what Chris Rufo says. So he wrote up a whole thing and called it sexual disturbance. And again, you guys, that is from the NEA that came out just a handful of days ago. So it's a little weird that during this big controversy of finding out about these QR scans, what do you know? The president of the United States is like, you know what I should do? Go speak at the NEA. (laughs) I know it would be a really good idea. This. Okay, so now that you guys understand how disgusting this story is that broke about the NEA right before Biden went to go speak at it, Before I show you how he actually went to promote the fact that he was going to speak at this event, I just want to remind you guys, MyPillow is having their biggest sheet sale of the year. Use code MORGAN for a big discount, okay? You all have helped build MyPillow into the amazing company that it is today. And now Mike Lindell, inventor and CEO, wants to give back exclusively to his listeners. So the Percale and Giza Dream bedsheet sets are available in a variety of colors and sizes. They are all on sale for as low as $29.98 with code morgan 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 (laughs) order now because when they're gone they're gone the percale and giza dream sheets are breathable and have a cool crisp feel they're great when i'm down in texas and i'm all hot they come with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee don't miss out on this incredible offer there is a limited supply so be sure to order now but you have to use code morgan for the discount Call 1-800-738-8374 using promo code MORGAN or go to MyPillow.com, click the radio listener square and use promo code MORGAN. Okay, let's get back to Creepy Joe because this is the perfect environment for him, right? He loves this kind of weird stuff. Needless to say, he's going to speak at the largest or one of the largest teachers unions of America. And does he promote it by saying, I can't wait to go talk about how we can properly educate our children in this country? Guess. No, he did not. Instead, he posted this onto the internet. 
I'm at the NEA today to highlight the choice voters have between building an economy that works for families <laughs> and the Republican plan to make health care more expensive, ban abortion nationwide, and put Medicare and Social Security on the chopping block. Wow, that sounds really education-oriented. Um, first thing, I find it hilarious that he is talking about how his plan to build an economy that will work for working families is his priority. Number one, the economy has tanked because of his economic failures. Number two, they are so completely anti-family, it's not even funny. But when it works for him in a political speech, it works for him. And they make it work, and then they completely abandon all hopes of promoting family once again. I mean, literally last week, we talked about this on the podcast, guys. Last week, we had AOC saying she's scared to have kids and people shouldn't have kids because of the uh, worsening conditions of capitalism. You had David Hogg saying that he'd rather buy what a fancy car and a golden doodle instead of having to pay for a child in his life. And we continue to see them advocate for really nasty policy that slams down the concept of the nuclear family, removes it from ever being wanted in the life visions of young Americans. They make them completely scared of embracing that kind of responsibility and instead say, do you know how expensive it is to have kids these days? You don't want to do that. And they say, you know what? Want to know what would be smart for you? Instead of doing something that'll create a strong and stable family, like, I don't know, pursuing a marriage with somebody that you deeply love first, and then doing the process of baby creating, and then you can have a baby. Instead, they're like, you know what? No. Embrace hookup culture. Reject marriage. Reject faith. Reject core basic values. And then when you have a fractured family in your own life, a child born out of wedlock, and you're completely sad and depressed because you're doing anti-science behaviors in your life and you wonder why your body is not corresponding with what the, the world, with what society told you would be happy, with what the Democrats and the left told you would make you feel happy, uh, then maybe what you're going to need is more support and leaning deeper into the worldly ways that we tell you will make you even happier. And so an even deeper lean into the materialistic desires of the world, an even deeper lean into alcohol and drugs and mischievous behavior with people that you don't exactly love, right? I see it as a cycle. And then once all of this nasty culture that they put onto us creates brokenness in society, broken families, broken communities, the need for more programs because people aren't properly taken care of because there are so many issues that come from children being born out of wedlock. They push all of this and create all these problems with the culture. And then they have all these problems that they're like, you know, it would fix this. An increase in government welfare and programs that make people more dependent on the government. That's what will fix it all. And I just find it creepy and disgusting. That for some reason they push this nasty behavior onto us. It gets us into pickles and they say, want to know what would fix it? More dependence of the people on the government. The more you have these problems that aren't your fault, don't take any responsibility for yourself. The more you have these problems, the only thing that can fix it is for you to depend on us even more. Give us more power in your life. Something about that really grosses me out. But I digress. In this instance, we're going to apparently allow Joe Biden to say that he's doing this all for working families, right? The working families that can barely afford to buy groceries right now. Now, here's what got him into hot, hot, hot water, along with doing it right after this icky story about the QR codes on the badges of the teachers. 
his entire speech is not about kids or educating them properly. The fact that there's all these viral videos where the guys go around with the cameras and ask people how many continents are on the planet, and they say, I don't know, five. We have some major problems with the fact that we pretty much only expect students to memorize information in time for the test, and we test them, test them, test them, test them, over-test them, and because it looks good on paper, we say, dang, we did a good job. And we tell people, unless you're good at this memorization process, Unless you're good at this stuff, you're not going to succeed out there in the world. This is how the world works. You need to conform to the structure of the public school system. And if you can't succeed here, you can't succeed anywhere. You might as well go go get a, tr- a trade school job. We'll send you to trade school. That's one of the biggest things that frustrated me when I was in school and high school. There was this stigma around trade school. They made it, I don't know why they did this, if it was just unintended And it just naturally was created in in terms of a stigma. But there was issues where kids, I mean, you think about it, they're kids. These are people that are probably going to go start businesses in the future and succeed in the economy in so many ways. But because they didn't conform to the way the school system expected them to, and maybe they weren't the best at memorization, and so they didn't get the best grades, but maybe they had massively creative minds and had skills and could learn skills and implement them and make them, I don't know, a profit. Because that's the whole point of being able to succeed, right? Being able to work in this economy, not just being some memorizing employee that's put to work all the time. But if you don't conform, they say, you know what? I don't know if college is for you. You should just consider entering trade school early. And they just take these kids, instead of finding out what would be best for them, they just segment them off and send them to the trade school, but it's not as if it's an empowering thing. It's something of like, ah, you're just not fitting in here. And so we're just going to toss you over there. Something about it also really makes me mad. A lot of these things, I can't really put my finger on it, but there's just something wrong with it, of what we're doing. And I remember people looked down on the people that were sent to the trade schools, when in reality, they didn't deserve that at all. And that really frustrates me. So either way, We have a situation of instead of figuring out how we can improve a lot of these broken parts of our education system and properly educate the kids, Joe Biden spends his entire speech to the teachers of the teachers union talking about political issues. So abortion, health care, Medicare, Social Security and saying not in a we're going to solve all these problems. Instead, he just said this is what the Republicans want to attack and we can't let them do that. So the first thing he says is this. Let's watch him talk about basically bragging about lowering the energy and gas prices. Bottom line, this law is going to lower energy costs as well. Gas prices, I know I got criticized for going in the stockpile. But guess what? Gas prices are down $1.30 a gallon. And in 41 states, plus the District of Columbia, the average gasoline price is less than $2.99. Look, the law makes the biggest investment ever. We invest in climate crisis. What does that even mean? They invest in climate crisis? I don't know, but it's just so interesting to see him as as if we haven't seen Americans pay $8 for a gallon of gas, pay $5 even for a gallon of gas. That's insane. It was $2 something. $1 something for most Americans before he got into office, for many Americans before he got into office. And then we're paying five, six, seven, eight dollars a gallon of gas under Joe Biden. Listen, President Trump actually just did an interview with Sean Hannity, and he predicts that after the election, things are being held right now 
because they're trying to make it at least a little bit better before the election, but things are about to tank after the midterms because they're trying to hold on. The Democrats in Washington are trying to prevent things from getting any worse until they gain power again in the midterms. Hopefully, God forbid they don't. But once November midterms happen, things might take a turn for the worse. Let's just say that. So that's his first one to the teachers. What's the next thing he talks about with the teachers? He decides to talk about his Inflation Reduction Act, which does the opposite because when you print money, it causes, guess what? Inflation. And my dad used to say, used to talk about whether inflation or the situation of a family that breathing room is at the end of the month when you paid all your bills, did you have a little bit left? Just a little bit left. So there's more than one way, more than one way to deal with the inflation of a family to lower the price of the things they have to deal with. Because that's what folks at home think about. How much are their monthly bills? How much do they have to pay for the necessities? This law is going to give them just a little more breathing room, as my dad would say. When you look at the numbers, most Americans, this is shocking to me, most Americans don't even have $1,000 saved up in an emergency fund. But then, because of the massive amounts of inflation this year, economists and experts are saying we should be saving $5,000 just to be able to afford the things we afforded last year. $5,000. Expect that as an increase in the general cost of living for you. So how do you look at someone and tell them to save $5,000 when you know that they don't even have $1,000 saved up at the moment? Do you see how some things are just physically impossible? We're able as a country to complain about things like pronouns and things like the skin color of the little mermaid, etc. Because we live in such blessed, secure, and safe times. And yes, I know that we're going through some problems right now with the economy. Yes, I, I completely understand that. But think about it on, if you look at the woman in Iran that got killed because she exposed her hair, wasn't wearing a hijab. She got killed. We, at least in America, live with a basic sense of safety and security because we have a public safety system. And listen, I know it's hard to like talk about this because we feel like we've lost a lot of trust. We've we don't have that same respect and feeling of, oh, well, they'll always be there for us because why would the government do something bad to us? Why why wouldn't they be there for us? We're experiencing some trust issues now, right? But in general, compared to other countries in the world where you can just get murdered and nobody even cares, there's no justice sought. We live in very, very secure and blessed times compared to other people out in the world and then especially other people during other periods of time. And so now, as we're, especially for Gen Z and millennials, experiencing what it's going to be like to experience a really bad time pretty soon. Because like we weren't there for the Great Depression. The worst thing we saw was the, what, the 2008 recession and most millennials were too young and Gen Z wasn't even alive yet pretty much or they were just being born. They haven't experienced it firsthand as adults before. So that's why they were able to grow up and be like, you know what? I think I could cry if somebody calls me the wrong pronoun. (laughs) We have not really had our strengths and our weaknesses tested. We haven't had our fortitude tested and we're going to see that soon. But because we live in such privilege, we're able to complain about such frivolous things. Now, as we start to get into a place where 
we have to cut things from our grocery list. We have to make hard decisions about what we can and cannot afford. We have to look and and do things that are considered, you know, a sacrifice or we're we're in very difficult times where we don't always get to please ourselves. That's a really hard concept for modern American young people to wrap their heads around. I hate to say it, but just think about it. It's like, wow, they don't understand the concept of struggle by the most basic terms of it. And I think I would like to think that because they were so disrespectful during Trump's era and they truly thought we had a dictator, a Nazi in office, that maybe now they'll start to understand, oh, wait, that was just inflammatory political rhetoric by the left. And he actually provided real results that I was able to experience in my day-to-day life and in my planning of my two-year, three-year, five-year plan of my own life. And now that somebody else with different policies is in office, even though they said all these fluffy, nice things, now that they're in office, my life has actually changed for the worse. I, I wonder if that will have an impact on people or if maybe, you know, maybe they aren't going to put two and two together, but hey, maybe it's up to us to try and connect those dots for them. And are we able to connect those dots? This comes back to that awesome study by Michigan State University that the most effective way to communicate an opposing viewpoint, especially to young people, is actually hearing it via peer to peer. That's not parent or professor that is hearing it from a friend. So not talking down to them, but speaking to them on their own level. Now, when you know that, that you yourself are the most effective communicator for the values of freedom, I don't know, it's kind of exciting. And that's that's an important job. So I hope that that inspires you to understand no one else is going to be as effective at communicating something like that. The difference of our quality of life and our opportunity under these two different presidents two different standards of policy than you yourself will be and are. Okay. So that's important too. What's the next thing that he talked about? Oh, and then of course he talked about guns. Let's listen to this. Quick. It's time to pass the assault weapons ban. Look, I support the second amendment. I have two shotguns. I'm not, I, 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 the only thing I've ever really do is really target crack. I haven't done that in a long time. But here's the thing. There's no justification for a weapon of war. None. The speed of that bullet is five times that that comes out of the muzzle of most weapons. Uh, I just think it's sad. I, I, I honestly, I don't know as a teacher how you would feel more comfortable banning firearms from the school than having firearms in the school with trained professionals. Listen, I know the Uvalde situation is insane. I think that is more of an exception when you consider how much safer you are because of the presence of a responsible gun owner in the room or in the building that would be able to use it if needed. I've got to say, like, you should see me. I'm five feet tall. I'm like a hundred something pounds, right? And so when I go on my hike, if I don't have my gun on my hike, I'm like, mm. I'm going to die. I cannot stab someone. I'm going to have to, what, kick someone in the groin. This is not going to go over well for me. But if I have my gun in my fanny pack, I call it fanny packing. Get it? That's the best joke I've ever made and ever will make in my whole life. Whenever I'm fanny packing, (laughs) I feel like I am on top of the world. Like nobody can stop me because I know how to use that thing. And I just feel like, you know what? Even if some evil man starts to come charge at me and I... 
I don't know what to do. I actually do know what to do. I won't freak out at all. I'm very calm about it. Like, don't even back up. I was actually at, um, trying to remember. I was in Nashville and I was out, like, it was pretty dark and I was at a lake. And because there was a gun present, even though there were some sketchy characters, and by that I mean very sketchy characters, like just on the other side of the dock, I just feel a sense of peace of like, you know what? I don't even have to worry because I have situational awareness. I know that I'm with someone that could properly use it. I could properly use it and I'm not concerned at all. That being said, I would probably feel the same if I was a teacher knowing that I had a firearm and that I was properly trained because I'm not going to make myself a victim. I don't know how as a teacher you can look at all of that and say, you know what? I'm not interested in advocating for me to get properly trained. Maybe even the school could pay for my training. Like, hey, send me to a training session on a Saturday and a Sunday and I'll go for many months so that I can be there to protect my kids if I need it. And myself, geez, maybe it's selfish, but like, yeah, and myself. I don't want to be stuck in that room, even if it's just me and the kids are at cafeteria. You know, it's I don't understand where the human instinct is to protect yourself in that situation. I would feel like a sitting duck advocating for no guns in the classroom. All right, and this will all make a lot more sense when I say my last and final thing on this. But before we get there, I want to remind you guys too, Hurricane Fiona has pummeled the Caribbean with devastating winds, catastrophic flooding, and widespread power outages. Food for the poor has been serving the poorest nations in that part of the world for over 40 years, and they are responding there again now during this time of crisis. So hurricane relief kits containing food, water, hygiene kits, medical supplies, and other critically needed items are already being distributed throughout Puerto Rico, the Dominican Republic, and Haiti. You can support this effort by giving your best gift now. Just text Zeggers to 91999-9139-91999, and we will send you guys a link, and you can give at the link. Families have lost everything, and they need our help. Anything you can do will help Food for the Poor bring aid to these families. So text Z-E-G-E-R-S, my last name, Zeggers to 9199 and we'll send a link so you can give as one of the largest faith-based international relief agencies in the country food for the poor is able to respond quickly and efficiently to disasters like this so they just can't do it without you and your generous support give what you can right now text Zeggers to 9199 all right so to wrap this topic up this frustration of you have these crazy woke teachers unions You have these hyper-politicized teachers unions that are giving 98% of their support to Democrats. You have the president of the United States going right before the midterms to speak to them, but not even about educational issues. You've got to wonder, how does this all happen? Well, I remember a, a handful of years ago, I started to do some research into the leftist organizations of the country. One of them is the Democratic Socialists of America, and they have an initiative of why socialists should become teachers. And I always find it fascinating to think back on Because the first reason of two that they had on the website was, number one, indoctrination. That's how you can, you know, spread the leftist ideas. You can indoctrinate the kids with curriculum, the basics that you would expect, right? But the second one really got me um, interested in looking more into the connections in the country. And that's how I got so interested in education. It's one of the reasons why I did. The second one was about how if you were a member of a teacher's union, You are a member of one of the most powerful political organizations in the country. Teachers unions have much more influence than you would think, and not just about education, but on all political issues. Because like I said, 98% of support from the teachers unions goes to one political party. 
And think of how many teachers, I mean, millions of teachers, like I read earlier, three million teachers are a part of this one teachers union, the NEA. Millions of people that are automatically drafted into the teachers unions when they get their public school teacher job, they all have to have their union dues. There's all this money involved, all these political donations. It is a very important group for all things politics, one of the most influential political groups in the country, not just regarding education. So the socialists came up with a plan and they had it on their website. I don't know if it's still even there, but it said that we need to get as many socialists to become teachers, not to educate children properly, but to make them members of the teachers union. And then when we have enough members of the teachers union, we're able to pick who leads those things. And those leaders picked because we have a greater number in the body and we have a larger voting block, those teachers and leaders that are at the top, they will make political decisions on all things in America and we can have a greater influence. So we need to get as many people as possible a part of this influential political group, whether we care about education or not. And that says a lot. That says a lot. Because when we think about COVID, remember this, where all of these schools, especially in California, remember in California that you had in Los Angeles and a few other places, the teachers unions were saying, we're not going back to school. We're not opening back up. Not until certain health precautions were made, but no, we're not going back to school from the COVID health shutdowns of the schools that were originally put in place until the politicians agree to defund the police, implement a wealth tax, increase the funding to the schools and fight climate change. And everybody was kind of taken back, like, why are they making non-education-focused political demands just to go back and do their job? It was really confusing. But now when you understand that people are literally becoming teachers because political organizations on the left are telling them to just so that they can influence overall political policy in our country that doesn't have to do with education, it's all like, whoa, that makes a lot of sense. It's kind of crazy. So the last thing I want to share on this, too, is that Ron DeSantis is a really great example of how the education system from a government angle doesn't have to be so broken. I'm a big hand uh, advocate of alternative education, right? I, I won't be sending my kids to public school. I can't wait to homeschool. And I work every day on drafting and creating curriculum because I would love to share it with as many people as possible. I There's all these people in different stages, right? Not everybody's like me where it's like, I'm going to build a property and a homeschool and a community school, and I'm going to do this, this, this. I get it, okay? Not everybody wants to do it or can do it or is able to. So there's a bunch of different parents out there. Like some maybe definitely want to homeschool, but they don't know where to start with curriculum. Some just are nervous about public school and want to find an alternative, but they don't understand all the different aspects of school choice, whether it's charter school, a religious school, a private school. Um, a homeschool pod, all these different options. Other parents are like, listen, I'm seeing some things and I don't like it, but my kid's in public school and I don't know what to do. Like, should I add curriculum or are there conversations I should be having with my kids? Are there things I shouldn't trust the government to teach them and I should be adding my own lessons when they're at home? There's all these different stages. And so I really love that. But I think it's important that even though we are coming up with alternative ways to educate our kids, we can't forget the rest of the kids out there. And no, I don't think we should be taking responsibility for other people's children the way the left wants to dominate all kids of America. 
I don't think America's children should be the responsibility of the government. I think we should just make sure that parents are supported in every way they can, and we should make sure that we're taking care of our most innocent. So that means stopping our kids from being indoctrinated, caring about what they're taught, even if they're not our specific kids. Our community's children deserve to get a proper education, and that's what I care about. We can't just abandon them because our kids are taken care of. So when we look at public school specifically, I love what Ron DeSantis is doing because he has, first of all, really been able to stand up against school lockdowns and making sure kids are getting in-school education. But he's also very adamant about comparing his state versus states like New York that are just so overrun with teachers union corruption that they are paying tons of money, twice as much in some instances, for the students of New York in New York for the public schools and getting completely worse grades compared to Florida that's getting better grades for half the cost. Let me show you this little clip. So what we are doing in the budget is uh, making sure we're responsible. Uh, I will in this budget, you know, the governor, unlike the president, uh, you can line item veto individual appropriations items. And so they do a budget If there's a project that you think is pork barrel spending, you can veto it. So you can sign the whole budget and then veto out um, a number of different items. And so uh, we exercise that power very robustly in this budget, not because the legislature is necessarily putting pork. There was some pork, but I think it was just because, you know, we don't want to be in a situation where we're repeating the mistakes of Washington by overspending. The The fact that they cranked up the printing presses and have borrowed and spent and printed all this um, has left us in the mess that we're in now. So we want to make sure we're responsible. So the top line uh, number for our budget that I'll sign um, is $109.9 billion. Now, what does that mean? Is that a lot? Is that reasonable? Well, the state closest to us in population is New York State. We have 3 million more people than New York State and their budget's over twice as large as the state of Florida's budget. And so we are very responsible. Our services are better. Our roads are better. Our schools are better. I guess to close on this one, this was a little wacky because there was a bunch of different topics that all have to do with education, right? But the bottom line is that there are these huge forces in American politics that are very powerful. They're very well-funded. They keep demanding more and more money, more and more power over our kids, but they are not bringing the results. When we ask, what is the true purpose of education? And more importantly, what is the true purpose of public education, of government schools? It should be something along the lines of all of us bringing our funds together, right, as taxpayers, because our tax dollars are us saying as citizens, we want to invest in this concept as a people. That's that's a far off concept these days. But When we say we as a a group of, of people want to educate our youth and pool our tax dollars together, you would think that the overall goal should always remain to give them the best possible education that we can, all to make sure that they are responsible, well raised, and educated members of society by the time they become adults so that they can help bring society forward. That is a very basic overview of why we have education of people in general, but then more importantly, why we have tax dollars go into creating government-run school systems. So if they aren't doing that job anymore, and if they can't tell you that that's the real goal for them, 
then we need to reevaluate how our education system in this country and in states is really structured. The fact that Joe Biden couldn't talk about education in his speech and made it completely political says a lot. The fact that the NEA had the president of the United States speak a week after, not even a week after, a story broke about them sending teens, children, through QR codes on teachers' badges to sexual sites says so much about how ridiculous the state of politics is in our country. The fact that this was all ignored. This would have been a huge story if this was 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago especially. So why do we not care anymore as a country? Then wrapping it all up, why did any of this even happen to begin with? This this increased politicization of our teachers' unions? It's because political actors like the Democratic Socialists of America and many others realize just how powerful it is to control a teacher's union. And so they started to encourage their members to become teachers for political purposes only to gain control of these unions and manipulate policy in other areas of the country. Crazy, crazy stuff. But at the end of the day, no matter how much you spend on education, if the system is broken, it's not going to properly educate the kids. And the example of Florida versus New York is a great one. All right. If you guys haven't yet, please subscribe. I would really appreciate it. And then uh, I'll see you next time. See you next episode. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.